Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, magicandalchemy.com is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kristen Lisenby, and my co-host, Kate Ballou. Hello, and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kristen Lisenby. And I'm Kate Ballou. How are you doing, Kate? Well, you know, <laughs> I, I've i missed you. I've missed our recording sessions, um, but things have been a little bit heavy on this end, as you know, as our listeners know. So I've just been, you know, here in a state of processing and grieving and being with my family. And, you know, so thank you so much to you and to our listeners who have reached out. Um, I know that the terminology around spring is so often about what's being planted and tended to and grown and reborn, but the flip side of this is, you know, death and grief. So just sending lots of love to all of those who are in that space right now. Are plants showing up in your grief space? You're so psychic. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I am growing some things, actually, but I do want to be secretive about them in this moment. So more about that later. Mm -hmm. Um, What about you? Anything planted that you want to share? I know that you're traveling right now. Mm -hmm. How is that going? What's up? Well, as a fellow Scorpio rising, I respect the secret. So we'll definitely (laughs) come back to that later. Uh, But yeah, like you mentioned, I'm traveling right now, visiting my family in sunny California, which is amazing. And I'm so, so grateful for this time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, before we left, we were planting all the things. We sowed a good portion of our vegetable and herb and flower gardens. Uh, So, you know, like onions and beans and carrots and passion flower, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I just, I can't wait to go home and see how things have grown and then you know, plant some more things. But Mm. in the meantime, I'm over here just hitting up all the used bookstores uh, since I've been back. So I've missed them so much and I'm just so overwhelmed with all the choices. So I have to ask, what are you reading right now? As you said, used bookstore, I could like smell the used Mm -hmm. bookstore, you know, that perfect scent of like paper and secrets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, my Saturn return was exact on March 7th. Yikes. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've really been diving into Liz Green's uh, Saturn book, which is really fascinating um, for anybody who's studying Saturn or in their Saturn return. And I'm also taking this amazing class on Catholic uh, witchcraft at Catland Books right now that's like so cool. And I can't wait to share more about that later. But what about you? Well, Liz Green's book is on my to-read list, so please report back when you're finished. Um, But yeah, right now, I'm actually reading quite a bit of fiction. I'm reading The Witch's Heart by Genevieve Gornacek, which Mm. uh, actually was a recommendation from The Witch Web. So 
Thank you to those who share their reading lists with us. Um, And also Sin Eater by Mm -hmm. Megan Campisi. And on the nonfiction side of things, in anticipation for this episode, I reread a book that Tamed Wild sent me a while back that I think is still on their site. It's called High Magic, A Guide to Cannabis and Ritual and Mysticism. It's by Philip Farber, and I'm going to be using it today as my reference for a lot of what we talk about. Which is? Cannabis, of course. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Specifically, its role in ritual and its appearance in magical elixirs throughout many ancient civilizations, but also more modern magical practices as well. Mm, I'm so excited. Also, I loved your Sin Eater piece last last week. So if you haven't read it, listeners, go check it out. But um, like every time we talk about plants and magic and ritual, use your best and most safe judgment. You know, don't buy cannabis if it's illegal where you live, et cetera, et cetera. You know, be wise and discerning, which is you know the drill. And let's dive in. challenging for us to see beyond the heavily ingrained societal taboos associated with certain things. So cannabis is no exception. But I also think most witches understand that cannabis is a plant. It grows on the earth we love so much, and it has a fascinating relationship with magic, ritual, meditation, and some might say spiritual evolution. Because remember, Cannabis was legal up until 1937. It was banned less than 100 years ago, and it was sort of a curious hush-hush job from what I understand. The cannabis ban wasn't supported by the people, but by corporations and government entities, many of whom were associated with the competing companies that experienced a boom after the ban. So like alcohol and tobacco companies, pharmaceutical companies, of course, were a big one. Also, synthetic textile companies, because before the ban, hemp was widely used to make clothes and all sorts of products. Mm, So one of those whole uh, follow the money situations. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Definitely. And and also like 1937, I mean, that's really just kind of wild when you think about the larger timeline of things. Absolutely. And I think it's worth noting that one group of individuals who did not support the ban were medical doctors who commonly prescribed cannabis tinctures and other things to their patients. They actually tried to get the cannabis ban overturned because they were fully aware that this was a medicine and an extremely safe, you know, in most cases, plant-based one that could be used to treat a variety of ills and also one that had been around for ages. But back to the magic. One famous slash infamous magician, or at least one of the most talked about of the 20th century, is Aleister Crowley. Now, he was a magician, not a witch. He practiced ceremonial magic, or high magic as it's called, and he believed that science and magic should be studied together because you could learn a lot about one from the other. He also loved to incorporate cannabis into his rituals. 
The book High Magic says that when Crowley was studying cannabis, he believed there were three separate actions of the plant. There was the aromatic effect, which referenced a perfect state of introspection after smoking. Then there was the hallucinatory effect, which referenced introspection, but at a more rapid speed, so like all sorts of information and downloads coming through, so to speak. And then there was the narcotic effect, which is just what it sounds like, a heavy, sleepy feeling. Crowley knew that different types of cannabis produced different effects, but he was also convinced that cannabis was a, quote, Eucharist, something to be consumed as the substance of deity. The first historical mention of cannabis goes back to a pharmacopoeia from 2737 BC. It was owned by the Red Emperor, a legendary Chinese figure, who documented how cannabis could be used as a treatment for various ailments, but also how it was the principal ingredient in the elixir of life. Acquiring the elixir of life is a prominent theme in Chinese mythology and one that I love to think about. According to lore, it's the gods who bestow this elixir upon humans, usually when they accomplish a mighty task. But the elixir of life was incredibly sacred because it had the power to turn a mortal into a divine being. I like thinking about this in maybe a more modern sense, like maybe cannabis allows humans to connect to a greater consciousness. Or maybe I shouldn't say greater, but I don't know, maybe one that just isn't as dense. Cannabis appears throughout various civilizations and spiritual belief systems, including Taoism. Stories say that people added cannabis to incense, teas, and potions. One of the eight ancient Taoist deities, Magu, is a goddess of longevity and harmony. Her name translates to hemp maid, and according to folklore, Magu embodies the cannabis plant and rules the hemp-producing region of Shandong. People would regularly visit this mountain to harvest cannabis plants or scatter hemp seeds on the land, which was intended to appease the goddess. Seed spells. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And I think it's important to remember, you know, in the old world, working with cannabis was a spiritual experience if we wanted to use it that way. But cannabis was also really easy to grow. It offered medicine and incense, textile for weaving, oil, and fuel. It was and is a very generous plant, especially at a time when people relied on plants for their survival. Definitely. Um, I found that the classic herbalist Hildegard of Bingen wrote in the 1100s on hemp medicinally saying that Hemp is hot and grows when the air is neither very hot nor very cold, and its nature is similar. Its seed is salubrious, which is an amazing word, side note, Mm -hmm. and good as food for healthy people. It is gentle and profitable to the stomach, taking away a bit of its mucus. It is easy to digest, diminishes bad humor, fortifies good humors. Nevertheless, if one who is weak in the head and has a vacant brain eats hemp, it easily affects his head. It does not harm one who has a healthy head and full brain. If one is ill, it even afflicts his stomach a bit. Eating it does not hurt one who is moderately ill. Let one who has a cold stomach cook hemp in water, and when the water has been squeezed out, wrap it in a small cloth and place it warm on his stomach. 
This strengthens and renews the area. Also, a cloth made from hemp is good for binding ulcers and wounds since the heat in it has been tempered. End quote. Just another example of cannabis being easy to grow, potent plant medicine. Yes. Well, jumping from one historical moment to another here, there's this great quote I want to read from High Magic about cannabis and the Greek god Dionysus. Mm. It reads, quote, Elements of cannabis culture and ritual passed from the Scythians to, among many others, the Thracians. The nomadic Thracians became known for their ability to produce fine hemp cloth. They also continued the Scythian tradition of weed smoke prophecy. Much of the prophetic fun was associated with their deity, Dionysus, who was a Thracian pothead before he became a Greek wino. <laughs> Among the Thracians, the shamans who danced and used cannabis to enter ecstatic trance were known as capnobotai, those who walk in the smoke, end quote. I, Is it okay that I just like busted up laughing when you started laughing? I think so. I mean, okay. <laughs> I just wanted to add that Thracian uh, pothead. I mean, someone should like put that on, I don't know, a sign somewhere or it something. Needs a bumper sticker. Yeah, bumper sticker, exactly. <laughs> drive, drive slow, Thracian pothead. <laughs> um, you know, I found something similar in my research in an article written by friend and herbalist Michaela Foley saying that the Greek historian Herodotus wrote of the Scythians, a tribe of Aryans who settled near, settled near Macedonia around 5 BC, and their use of cannabis vapor tents, tents in which participants would immerse themselves in the smoke from burning cannabis seeds and flowers as a purification tool after a grisly mass sacrifice commemorating a fallen chief. Though there is extensive and detailed literature, we see little other mention of cannabis in ancient Greek society, aside from a few references to the edible nature of the seeds and the somewhat relieving use of the leaves as an external backache remedy, end quote. Mm, so interesting. I love reading how cannabis was used in the past because it's so different from how it's talked about today. Mm -hmm. And even the names we use for this plant can be quite telling. Obviously, there are many words, you know, we might use to reference cannabis. And one that feels rather outdated that I feel like my grandparents used to use was pot, you know, P-O-T. But I just discovered that the word pot comes from the Spanish word pataguaya or patacion de guaya, which was a special potion consisting of wine or brandy seeped with cannabis flowers. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I always think about Frances McDormand in Almost Famous when she takes out the, um, who is it? It's I think it's Simon and Garfunkel uh, album, mm -hmm. and she just points at their eyes and is like, they're on the pot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just so interesting that you say this about Dionysus and the Greeks because, you know, I've always felt that cannabis was a bit of a trickster plant. Um which is honestly one of the reasons I don't interact too much with cannabis magically or otherwise. You know, I respect it deeply as I do all of nature, but I also keep kind of a fair distance. Um, and that being said, Dionysus, Bacchus, related to Faunus, all of these are characters in myth who love a good party and will achieve this level of ecstasy and revelry at all costs, you know, fun and yet also dangerous. 
Yeah. And ever since you told me about this, you know, about cannabis carrying a trickster energy, I think about that a lot. Mm -hmm. And like you, I respect that. Mm -hmm. I think many psychedelic plants have a trickster feel, um, at least in my opinion. And I don't know, maybe it's a protective mechanism, you know, like in order to fully understand or integrate with this plant, we have to be um, willing to learn and navigate the maze first. I love that. Totally. Um, You know, as I often will, when we talk about plant medicine, I will turn to the witchcraft medicine book that I have. Um, And kind of like you're talking about with all of the psychedelic plants, this, this book has a whole section on what they call forbidden and illegal plants. So opium, ayahuasca, mushrooms, coca, cannabis. And the authors here draw parallels between witch hunts and drug laws, which I find really interesting. Um, And there's this quote that I pulled out that I wanted to share, but... Uh, The drug laws served as tools for persecuting social outcasts and undesirables. Hippies were accused of the same things as witches before them. Drug abuse, promiscuity, and immoral attitudes toward the Christian ethic. The hippies were blamed for Satanism, which included black mass and ritual murders. Uh, And for, in quotes, proof, uh, Charles Manson and his family were trotted out. Although this man and his murderous band saw themselves as new Christians and their followers worshipped Manson as Christ and Savior, they were not hippies. And after all, liberation from Christian feelings of guilt and duty was part of the ideology of the hippies. Besides, they had eaten from the tree of knowledge and discovered the divine and of itself, not in the words of a priest. End quote. So, Kristen, I'm curious, how do you, as a modern-day witch, work with cannabis? Well, when I lived in California, it was really fun to grow it in the garden because, you know, it's legal. Mm. And after you do that for a while, it's really not much different than growing any other flower or herb. But I will say that in the beginning, and even now when I think about it, it feels really special to reintroduce a plant to the sun and soil after a hundred years of being hidden and ripped from the earth and, you know, sort of demonized. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think that's a way to treat any plant, but especially one that is so generous and offers so many benefits to us as humans. Because even if ingesting or smoking cannabis doesn't, you know, resonate with you, incorporating this plant into a magical or devotional garden is a great way to work with its energy, um, you know, in a way that doesn't involve consumption, if that doesn't interest you. Mm. Um, And what was your first meeting with the spirit of cannabis like? Full disclosure, it's been a really long time, so I can't really remember. Fair enough. (laughs) But I think, like many people, I worked with the trickster bits of cannabis in the beginning. It was more of like a social, recreational thing, or I relied on its medicinal benefits to help me sleep, since I am one of those people who can just wander the dream world without resting, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And cannabis has helped greatly with that. But 
Now, when I think about meeting the cannabis spirit, it involves me making a ritual out of it most of the time. It almost always involves pen and paper and a quiet space to reflect and open myself up for conversation and guidance. And I can't remember exactly when I started doing this, but I can say that some of what I think are my best ideas have magically popped into my head while letting this plant move through me. Mm. And I don't know, it just feels really inspiring. Like I don't want to say I've moved beyond the trickster element because it's always there, but when I'm present, it's definitely easier to navigate. Mm. And are there any rituals that you might recommend? You know, I love a good cannabis tincture, especially one high in CBD for us anxious folks. Um, I like to make it part of like my morning or nighttime routine or as a midday ritual when inspiration tends to ebb. Um, But, you know, if smoking or vaporizing or eating edibles is your thing, it can be really enlightening and inspiring to incorporate cannabis into a creative magical or spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. So whether that's writing or drawing or even just brainstorming something, um, yoga cannabis classes feel really good too. And a lot of people incorporate cannabis into a breathwork practice, although that might be, you know, for maybe the more advanced or adventurous practitioners, Um, But I don't know, maybe just because I'm a writer, I think sitting down with pen and paper and seeing what comes through is a really powerful ritual on its own. And it's definitely different, um, you know, when combined with cannabis. Mm -hmm. And there's actually quite a bit of science that backs this up, Uh, the cannabis and creativity connection. Like other psychedelic plants, many refer to cannabis as an entheogen or a plant that is God-inducing or inspiration-inducing, as it says in High Magic. Beautiful. I love that. Um, And, you know, with the legalization of cannabis in so many spaces, but with such a persecuted history, do you have suggestions for cannabis activism work as a part of this magical practice? You know, I'll always say that education, I think, is one of the most important aspects of our magical practices. So even just reminding ourselves that this plant has a long, fascinating history that existed long before it was rebranded as a, you know, class one drug next to heroin and other deadly substances, Um, So yeah, you know, just reading stories, check out the High Magic book if you're interested, um, and definitely vote when you see cannabis on the ballot in your state. I actually just heard that cannabis legalization, uh, like federally, passed in the House, and now it moves to the Senate. So I'm definitely watching that potential federal legalization, you know, with stars in my eyes right now. Oh, rad. I didn't know that. Um, I also, you know, I love Broccoli Magazine and Gossamer Magazine, and I know that they send out like free weekly newsletters, like with cannabis focused headline and cannabis space. So folks might want to check those, those out as well. Absolutely. Um, but any advice, uh, for connecting with the spirit of cannabis without imbibing, you know, is this possible potent seed magic perhaps? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, keep in mind when I say cannabis, that also includes the non-psychoactive, you know, CBD weed, which I think is legal throughout 
most of the world. Mm -hmm. Even in the Azores, cannabis is illegal, but there is one CBD shop on our island. So if I want to add a flower into some incense for some extra inspiration, that's a beautiful way to work with the plant. Um, cannabis is used in love spells and dream sachets. It can increase psychic abilities, improve mood, and offer a new lens through which to view the world. And again, it's wonderful for inspiration and creativity. And in my experience, is a powerful potion to calm the mind and open the heart. again for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. We're Kate Ballou and Kristen Lizenby. You can find us online at k8ballou and at East and Alchemy. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog magicandalchemy.com. Tune into next week's episode where we talk about the magic of wind, birds, and feathers. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mode it be or something better. Until next time. Mm-hmm.